The Sport Industry Access Podcast, Episode 34. What core skills do you need to be a sports broadcaster? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I am your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who is a sports professional in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sport. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Mark Webster. Mark is a broadcaster, sports writer, program maker, and for over 10 years, he's worked as a sports presenter. During his career, he's worked with so many iconic shows on television and even on radio, such as BT Sports Score, Talk Sport 2, and even BBC Five Live. For that reason, it's great to have Mark as a special guest on the show. That's why in today's episode, Mark will share his career journey and explain the core skills you need to be able to pursue a career as a sports broadcaster. Mark, it's a privilege to have you on the show. Please, can you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? Well, it started as a sports career, wow, 20-odd years ago, which was a sort of strange moment when it translated almost effortlessly... I say effortlessly. I'm sure it took a little bit more work uh, from a music career. I was a music journalist. um, And in reality, what had happened was is that Channel 4 were looking to launch a basketball show. But they knew full well that in launching a basketball show, an an NBA show, obviously more particularly, that what it needed was a little bit of context. And I was a, a, a... a music journalist with a, with a love of sport. And as a direct result, I thought, well, this is the best way in. It's, it's the old adage, which is an old fashioned idea now of letting the fan do the talking on the TV because it lets other fans in as well. I get to speak their language and, and that's sort of how it began. Just touching back though, from right from the start, how have you seen sport develop during your career? Certainly uh, access to it is, is massively important. Um, it was always big, Obviously, the last 20 years, we've had the, the arrival of Sky, uh, who have completely and utterly changed the face of live sport coverage on the TV, A, because there's so much of it, and B, because their coverage has been so brilliant and innovative. Um, just the Monday Night Football, as a simple example, has become a cultural phenomenon in the way that Monday Night Football in the States with the NFL also did as well. It seeps into the fabric of it, and, it, and it's, it's worked brilliantly. The coverage of it, there's people who will say it's too intense now. We see too much of what's going on in the field. and It affects the field of play. But by the same token, the sport has got bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you use finance as being a yardstick for that, you'd have to say the fact that the, the FI are now doing bigger deals than the NFL are doing, you can't argue with the fact that the exposure of football as a live sport has certainly given it currency. 
How about from the sport industry itself? So not what goes on on the field or on the pitch. How about off the pitch? How was, have you seen that from, you know, your career journey looking back now? Certainly in terms of, <clears throat> certainly in terms of the way the industry works, um, it became clear. There's, a, there's, there's the pragmatic side of it, not least of which is like, for, for example, when I was working on Channel 5, uh, it became clear to me because it was being said as such is that one of the cheapest ways of making broadcasting is live imported sport, unedited, untouched. So a small studio, a small crew, and buying in or having given to you for nothing the uh, the, the the broadcast rights from, in my case, America, means that you filled up many hours of TV pretty cheaply, but also with something which is a, is a great product, as far as I'm concerned. Because, of course, when you look at what is, as we've gone on to replace it, which is bingo shows, I know that they have their place and it's a way of raising capital. But you'd have to say that the more edifying and more invigorating uh, way of, of filling up the, the twilight hours at night would be actual access to live sport, wouldn't you? I couldn't agree more. And you sort of highlight in today's main topic, in your opinion, what core skills do you need to be a sports broadcaster? Certainly, what you have to do is really enjoy sport. And I know that that is a kind of bland, sweeping statement. But from my point of view, it was important because I would end up as an anchor, as a host, not as a commentator, I couldn't do that. You know, I don't have that skill set and I don't have that depth of knowledge. But I can certainly anchor sports programs on sports that I don't necessarily know a lot about because I understand the dynamic of sport when I'm watching it. I know who's doing well and who's not. And I can understand, I can see the ebbs and flows and rhythms of, of, a, of a game. Um, and once you've got the fundamentals under, under, under your belt about any kind of sport... I think a lot of people can do that. We all do it all the time when the Olympics are on. Suddenly we're all experts in archery um, or, you know, or, or winter biathlon, you know, and uh, you've only had to sit there for 10 minutes. You, you, you'd have been reared on football, cricket, rugby, perhaps a bit of tennis, but there's so much, there's so many elements of sport that are fundamental across all of the different sports that you can, you just get a sense of it, and also you get that sense of the of of the individual as well. The fear, the excitement, the passion, the anger, the fun—all of those bits all come into play as well. In your opinion, relating to your career, is there a difference working on radio than television? Oh, definitely, uh, because you not least of which you get to use your face. Uh, it's this on, on a simple the simple arithmetic is you you would use less words you have to be more descriptive on radio um that is not to say that you also have to be aware of brevity being your friend uh because there is a temptation to spend a lot of time talking to describe things on the radio and the flip side of that is that it's it's a kind of given within broadcasting that if you're basically banging on too long you're going to lose the interest of the listener you need to get to where you're going as quickly as you possibly can, but you will take a little longer than you would do on the TV. I know you highlighted this point right from the start, but how important is that engagement with your fans on the radio, on the television? Is there techniques you use to keep the listener or uh, person interested? Certainly the thing that I do, it's an old-fashioned idea that you would, you'd hear from stand-up comics or arguably you know, actors, is, that, is to be completely unconscious of the fact that you're talking to a body of people 
that there's the idea of trying to engage them with your voice or even engage with your eyes, which is definitely an idea, definitely a technique, you know, using the camera to your effect is to is to assume that you're talking to a person and, and that that person is a conversation across a table, arguably. And that what you're trying to do is you're trying to for it's a bit of a one way debate. You know, you've got a guy sat next to you so you can kind of you can create a dynamic because you've got your expert with you more often than not. Um, and so you can you can pose questions to them, which often are on behalf of the audience. So you kind of take on that dual role. But fundamentally, the, the answer to your question is just assume that you're telling somebody or informing somebody or posing a question to somebody who is a person sat opposite you at a table. Absolutely. Even these skills I'm applying on this podcast show, and it's great to highlight these sort of skill sets. Reflecting back from your career, what are the biggest lessons you've learned being a sports broadcaster looking back now? What I spend a lot of time doing um, that I started to hone from immediately, I say hone, it was probably I was lucky because I wasn't trained. Perhaps that was where I got lucky is the fact that I tend to treat everything as a conversation rather than an interview. Um, and certainly in my early days working on a program for I One for London, which which is a show that covered all manner of topics, you know, film, theatre, a uh, little bit of sport, that kind of territory. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, what I would do is I would I would try and go into a, into an interview or conversation with a couple of facts away in my head, just so that a, I could make them feel put the person feel comfortable that I'm aware of who they are and what they've done, and also a, a few bullet points as to where I think that we probably would need to end up going to make sure that we're getting the right stuff in the interview, but but spending too much time looking down at notes, and the, the biggest sin for me of all is loaded questions. In 1978, you, you did this, um, which was immediately followed by this, and then that happened. What did you feel about that? The worst questions on God's green planet. Absolutely. Just relating to those skill sets, how important is it for people to keep improving those skills within themselves? I think what you do is it, the improvement is practice and practice is man hours. I, I, you just just keep doing it is what you do. And I've got to be honest with you, I probably do what I do in terms of my work is probably how I spend my time talking to people during the day I, I there's probably there's probably a very blurred line now between the way that i would you know have a conversation just in the street or with a with a pal or something like that or and what i would do in terms of working on the on the radio or the television it, it has to feel natural it isn't specifically natural it's a little fake version of natural but of course, what will happen is it, one will start seeping into the other. You end up with this kind of this sort of morphed version of both worlds. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with the side of the practice side of the role. Just relating back to your career, out of interest, what have you been up to recently? Uh, I'm currently working um, weekly on uh, BBC Radio 5 Live. It's a strange mixture, actually, at the moment. I, I work on TalkSport, first of all, on a Friday afternoon, uh, for a TalkSport 2 station, and I do a sports show on there between two and four and then on saturday nights i do a music show on the up all night segment of radio five live with dot nadabayo so and that's a that's a phone-in show so that's that's talking to to you know members of the public about their musical choices whereas talk sport is me pontificating about what i think about uh, sports stories so it's, it's it's a lovely balance because um it gives me the opportunity to kind of, well, to, to flex all of my muscles, all the ones that I've used in my work um, over 
half a, half a lifetime now. On a personal note, though, what do you enjoy the most from the work you do? Currently, do you know what? I write for a magazine, which is a gents' lifestyle quarterly called Jocks and Nerds, which is basically a magazine that, uh, that, that is about lifestyle, which is fashion, music, culture, history, those kind of territories. I hadn't really put pen to paper in anger for many years because it's a damn sight easier just to sit down and talk than have to actually think and write it down. But that's where I started, and this magazine in the last few years has given me opportunities to do exactly that, and it's and and it's been fun because it means I've, for example, in the current issue, I've I've written a history of the boxing films. Um, I, I did it last issue. I did a piece about the American road system. I've interviewed Terence Stamp and Sir Peter Blake for it. I've done a piece about the European uh, about the NBA Global Games. I, I, it gives me opportunity to to just simply vent about all of the things that have always interested me that sounds really interesting and i, I love to uh, read some of those articles and i feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where i'd like to finish with a inspirational question what advice would you give to university sports students who want to pursue a career as a sports broadcaster utilize they, this is the best time ever to be able to become a broadcaster because there are outlets Make use of the technology that's available to you. Create podcasts, go online, invent something for YouTube, practice, practice, practice. You won't necessarily get a job for it. You won't necessarily lose a job because you've done it. But what you'd have done is you'd have started the process. And if you're any good and if you're lucky, you might get that break. That is great. I really do hope the listeners take that piece of advice on board because I have... Out of interest, Mark, how can people interact with you? I would best place for me to go, for anyone to go, would is is where I live in the in the seconds in between everything else, which is on Twitter, and, I, and my handle is it's Mark Webster without the apostrophe. That is great. To all the listeners listening in, Mark's Twitter link will be on my website relating to this blog post. Mark, it's been great chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Judith, thanks very much indeed. What a really interesting interview by Mark and I really do hope that if you want to pursue a career as a sports broadcaster you really take on board what Mark is saying with his experience and knowledge there are so many good career tips with regards to how you can pursue a career in this sector considering with the use of technology nowadays and how we can promote ourselves Being passionate about sport is so important, but also from my experience through this podcast journey, you've got to have the courage to be able to promote your voice and share your opinions with others, because by doing that, you'll build engagement with other people, other like-minded people like yourself to create that audience feel. So the best piece of advice I can give you is just give it a go and good luck. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Mark said, Improvement is practice. Practice is in man hours. In life, we always want to be the best we can be in the fastest time. But really, the top experts, whatever field they're in, they have had to really improve and use practice as a discipline with regards to being the best they can be with regards to the skill sets and with large amount of practice it does take time 
and time will define your career as an expert in the long run.